0: You are listening to Rabbi Arya Woolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the weekly Parsha Review. This week's Parsha's Parsha's Chukas. Chukas is the sixth portion in the book of Numbers, in the book of Bamidbar, and the 39th portion since the beginning of the Torah. We have 87 verses, 1,245 words, and 4,670 letters. There are only three mitzvahs in this week's parsha, three performative mitzvahs, and zero prohibitions. So the parsha begins with Hashem teaching Moshe and Aaron of the laws of Paraduma, the red heifer, the red cow that would help the ritually impure become pure again and be allowed to enter the Mishkan. So a completely red cow, not even two hairs of any other color, as they would disqualify it so it had to be a completely red cow selected. The cow would be slaughtered and burned by a deputy, Kohen Gadol, outside the camp or in Jerusalem when, once the temple was built, outside the walls of Jerusalem. It would actually be at Mount Olives, which is right across the road. And some ingredients like cedar wood, hyssop, crimson thread were added to the fire. A pure man would gather the ashes and keep it safe to purify the contaminated. The Kohen and his garments became contaminated in the process of the service. The slaughterer and burner shall both immerse themselves and their clothes in a mikvah. The Kohen would stand on the east of the Mishkan of the temple, facing the entrance, and would receive the blood in a vessel and sprinkle towards the front of the Mishkan seven times. The red heifer would assist in the spiritual purification of one who comes in contact with a corpse or with any elements of death. The laws of contamination to a corpse are detailed. And then in this week's parsha, Parsha Schukas, we talk about the death of Miriam. Miriam dies and is buried in Kadesh. The water that was miraculously supplied in her merit stopped and the people complain again. And Moshe and Aaron pray for the people's welfare. Hashem commands Moshe to bring forth water by gathering the nation at a designated rock in Meriva and to talk to it. Moshe gathers the people and hits the stone twice, and the water gushes out from the stone for them and their animals. Failing to produce the intended glorification of Hashem's powers, Moshe and Aaron are both punished that neither will enter the promised land nor bring the nation to it. It's a pretty harsh punishment. Moshe sends emissaries to the king of Edom, a descendant of Esav, who refuses passage for the Jewish people through his land to afford them a direct route to the land of Israel and threatens war if they attempt to. And Moshe told the emissaries, tell the king of Edom that... We won't touch his fields, we won't touch his vineyards, we won't touch, we're just going to go on the king's path. We're just going to go on the route just to walk through the town, we're not going to harm you. But if did not want to, the Jewish people need to travel in a roundabout way through the south to get to Israel. Then the tragic story of Aaron's death is reported to us in this week's Parsha. Hashem commands Moshe to take Aaron and his son Elazar atop the Har Mountain. Moshe removes the priestly garments from Aaron and places the vestments and responsibilities on Aaron's son, Elazar. The beloved Aaron Akoin, the high priest, dies on the mountain and the nation mourns him for 30 days. The protective clouds departed after Aaron's death and they continued to journey towards the promised land. And then we have some more challenges, like the Jewish people didn't have enough in the desert, we have some more coming towards us. The Jewish people are attacked by the southern Canaanite Amalek nation, and the Jewish people win the battle. The long journey discourages the Jewish people, and they complain to Moshe. Hashem sends fiery serpents to attack the complainers, and people are bitten by these serpents, by these snakes. Hashem instructs Moshe to create a copper serpent on a pole to heal those who are bitten by looking at it. The Jewish people travel and camp in multiple locations. Until they camp between Moab and the Amorite. They sing a song of praise to Hashem for providing their needs in the desert. Israel sends emissaries to Sichon, king of the Amorites, who refuse passage and wage war immediately on the Jewish people. B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people, win and conquer their lands and settle in them on the east bank of the Jordan River. Og, king of Bashan, also came out to fight the Jews, and Hashem told Moshe, I've placed him in your hand, that even though the Jewish people were terrified that they may lose this battle because the king of Bashan, Og, had a mighty force, but Hashem delivered them into our hands. The, people, the Jewish people won Og and his entire people. They conquered all his lands and settled in Moab opposite Jericho. So now the Jewish people started off on the west of Israel came through the south of Israel and to the east, and now they're facing Israel from the other side. They could have gone straight in through the land of the Edomites, but they refused entry for the Jewish people, and this is not a story uh, that has only happened then. This is a story that we've had throughout our history. So this concludes the Parsha Review. Now we begin the important lessons to learn from Parsha's Chukas. So the first thing we need to understand is that there is no chronology in the Torah. The Torah is not written in a chronological order. Right now, from last week's Torah portion to this week's Torah portion, we skip 38 years. And this is now only a year before the Jewish people are going to enter into the land of Israel. You remember just a little while ago, we talked about Moshe getting punished not being allowed into the land of Israel. We see that the Jewish people sent out spies. That was going to be for something that was going to happen much later. Now it skips, and now it's just a year ahead. Hashem says it's going to be 40 years before you enter into the land of Israel, and all the people who left Egypt are going to have to die. It's going to be a next generation that's going to enter into the land of Israel. So it really is amazing how the Torah tells us everything we need to know that is important for us to connect and to see the hand of Hashem. So the parsha, this week's parsha, is called chukas. Chukas is a statue. A statute is different than a law. A law makes sense. It's understandable. We all understand that there are laws like a speed limit is a law. It makes sense. So people should drive carefully and people should drive safely in a school zone. It's even slower, a slower speed limit. It makes sense. We understand it. But then you have statutes. And statutes are laws that we don't understand their reasoning. We don't understand their meanings. They are divine. And we accept them and follow them because they're the commandment of Hashem. Now, it's very, very interesting that King Solomon, one of the things that he really, really, really was concerned about was that he did not know and did not understand the laws of the red heifer. And it bothered him. He felt that not knowing the laws of the red heifer made him an incomplete person. Not knowing the laws of the red heifer, he felt like, he says, Vihir imeni, talking about wisdom, that he felt like wisdom was too way beyond him. We're talking about the wisest of all men just didn't know this one mitzvah and understand it, and you look at the ingredients that were placed in it, the person, it's a shocking thing, right? The person who slaughters the animal becomes impure. The person who collects the ashes becomes impure. Everybody who's involved in the process becomes impure. But when they sprinkle this potion on an impure person, it makes them pure. it, It seems to be backwards. We don't understand how this works. And it's meant to be like that. So what is the purpose? And we've talked many, many times in all of our podcasts, the Jewish Inspiration podcast. We talked about this in the Living Jewishly podcast. We talk about this in our weekly Parsha podcast. We talk about it in our Unboxing Judaism podcast and the Thinking Talmudist, that every single thing Hashem does, He does for a reason. There's nothing that Hashem does for no reason. So what's the reason that Hashem creates a law a statute to which there's no understanding. What's the purpose of having it if we're not going to even understand what it's there for? So our sages explained to us that we, you know, our children, for example, if we take our children, our children don't need to understand our rules. They don't need to understand it. Perhaps when they're older, they'll understand it. But there are some times that parents need to teach their children. The answer is no, because I'm your parent, and that's what I said. You don't need to have a reason. Parents don't need to have a reason. Children need to understand that part of education is that children learn to listen to their parents even if they don't understand. And here we see an example where Hashem is teaching the Jewish people that you need to follow my ordinances, you need to follow my Torah, even if you don't understand it. And it's a very, very valuable lesson for us to, to, to be willing to accept that that we don't understand. It doesn't have to make sense to us. It doesn't have to fit into our understanding of the world. Okay, so many commentaries refer to the red heifer as the red cow, not the red heifer, the red cow. Why, Why specifically that language? Because our sages tell us that the red cow was an atonement For the golden calf that the Jewish people made a massive mistake with. And our sedas, the commentaries use the terminology of a mother cleans up the mess of their child. Where you bring the cow to clean up the mess of the calf. The golden calf made a mess with the Jewish people. And the Jewish people sinned and were punished for it. And now comes the, gold, the red heifer, the red cow that cleans up the mess for its child. And I think that that's an important thing for us to understand, that each one of us in our life have different things that we experience. And sometimes we have regrets, and sometimes we have challenges that we're like, why did Hashem need to put me through that challenge? And perhaps it's only to give us the opportunity that when we clean up that mess, we've become so much closer to the Almighty. We've become so much closer to Hashem. And anybody who's been in a relationship more than 20 minutes knows that you'll make a mistake, particularly in a marriage. You'll make a mistake. And what happens when you properly own up to that mistake and you apologize? The relationship becomes so much more valuable. The relationship becomes so much more closer between spouses and between friends. It is important for us to remember that the objective of life is to get close to God. The Almighty wants to have a relationship with us. And that is the goal here. The goal is for us to build. Hashem doesn't want to punish us. Hashem wants to give us an opportunity to rejuvenate our relationship with Him. So another thing about the red heifer or the red cow is that it atoned for the sins or the blemishes, the impurifications of the people. Our sages tell us that the death of the righteous, like Miriam, like Aaron, is an atonement for the people. And this entire Torah portion could be understood as a portion of atonement where it's a where God is giving us an opportunity to get closer to him God sometimes takes the most precious among us so that it can be an atonement for the people so that's why you have the story of the passing of Miriam and the story of the passing of Aaron in the same portion that we have the red heifer because all of this was bringing about one whole atonement for the people another things that we see something that we've talked about multiple times in this partial Review series, that Moshe and Aaron were punished. We see this is a fabulous teaching in the Torah. One of the most important teachings in the Torah is the concept of reward and punishment. The Jewish people are always held accountable with when you do things right, you're rewarded. When you do things wrong, You're punished. And we see this throughout the Torah. The entire Torah has a theme of the people who did good, got good. The people who didn't do good, got not so good. And it's an important lesson for us to understand that Hashem focuses the entire Torah on those who did the good things. A little bit at the end of the portion, he'll tell us about the dynasty or the descendants of Yishmael. At the end of the portion, he'll tell us a little bit about the descendants of Asaph, But you don't see a focus on them. You see a focus on Joseph. You see a focus on Jacob. You see a focus on Moses. Those are the righteous people. You see a focus on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the tribes. Hashem doesn't focus on those who are not righteous. Because Hashem wants us to take an example of their good deeds. Now, it's interesting that we learn something very, very important about complaining. Complaining is something Hashem does not like. We see that every time the Jewish people complained, they got punished. But in this week's partial, we see something unique. The Jewish people stopped complaining. After they got punished, they got punished. They get, they, again, they complained. Wherever, wherever it was that they complained, it brought a plague upon the people. This, by the way, is a very practical lesson to each and every one of us. Complaining is not one of the things Hashem likes. Complaining means you're not living in a reality where you understand that everything is from Hashem. And if a person lives with the reality that everything that happens is from Hashem, they live a much richer life. They live a much happier life. They live a much more uplifting life a much more fulfilling life and this is the important thing that the torah keeps on reminding us every time there's a story of complainers so what is the jewish people what do they learn from this they start singing to hashem and in this week's parsha towards the end of the parsha the jewish people sing a song to, the, to hashem after the victories that they had in battle miraculous victories they didn't have a whole, a whole army they didn't have trained military uh, personnel. But Hashem made these miracles for us so that we can be victorious over our enemies. And every single battle the Jewish people have ever faced has been a miracle. And if you look at recent modern-day victories of the Jewish people, like the Six-Day War, Yom Kippur War, and every single other war that the Jewish people faced, they didn't make sense you think it made sense that the Jewish people beat the mighty nation of Og and Bashan? I don't think so. It didn't make sense either. But we don't win because we have training. We don't win because we have the military force. We win because we have Hashem. And Hashem delivers our enemies in our hands. But that's if we're worthy. If, God forbid, we're not worthy, we know what happens. But you know what makes us worthy? when we sing Hashem's praises, you know what, you have challenges? Hashem, I love you and thank you. We don't complain. We acknowledge the goodness that Hashem gives us, even if it seems to us as a challenge, and we just thank Hashem for it. Now, it's noted, if you look carefully in this week's Parsha, that you have the passing of Miriam, and the people were sad, and the people complained that the water ended. The people noticed when Aaron died, the high priest, the people mourned for 30 days. And this was something different. This was something unique. They mourned for 30 days. Our say, just tell us that Aaron was a very unique personality. Aaron was a peacemaker. Aaron brought people together. You know, a husband and wife who were having a quarrel, who were having a fight, what would they do? They'd go to Aaron. And Aaron would sit with them and talk to them. And he would resolve their issues with them and make peace in people's homes. And people were happy and in love again. And when two business partners were in a fight, they'd go to Aaron. And Aaron would resolve it and make peace. And when just two people, two strangers would have a fight, Aaron would go or say, just tell us that Aaron would go to one party and he would say to them, you know, so-and-so, Don't tell him I told you this, but last night he told me that he regrets what he did and he feels so terrible. He wishes you would forgive me. He says, really? He said that? He he took responsibility? He owned up to it? He said he did, but he's very embarrassed, so he doesn't want to bring it up to you. He hopes he could be your friend one day. And then he'd go to the other guy and he'd say, you know what the other guy told me? The other guy told me that he regrets what he did and he feels so terrible and he's owning up to to his mistakes and he feels responsible and then they become friends and what would happen what would happen 10 years later they'd find out that Aaron really tricked them they'd be like oh i don't want to be a friend no it's okay let bygones be bygones and we, you see we have so much more in common so much more that we can love in one another Aaron taught us what it meant to focus on the good Aaron taught us what it meant to bring peace It says about Aaron in the Mishnah and Ethics of Our Fathers in Pirkei Avos, Aaron loved peace and he pursued peace. Oh, have shalom, verod of shalom. I'm sure that every single person online right now and listening to this presentation later on podcast will agree with me that we all love peace. Of course, everyone loves peace. No one loves to fight. No one loves to have war. So why do people fight? And what's unique about Aaron? People fight because they, they get caught up in themselves. But do you know what unique what was unique about Aaron? He didn't just say, oh, I love peace. He actually went ahead and pursued it. He pursued peace. He looked for opportunities. He didn't say, look, it's not my fo- it's not my war, it's not my fight, I'm out. I'm just staying out of it. Leave me alone. No, 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 no. He stuck his nose into the business that wasn't his in order to pursue peace. He saw two people in synagogue that weren't sitting next to each other and they were, you know, exchanging nasty words because they didn't like each other, because their business deal didn't work out as expected, or whatever it may be. Aaron would walk over to them and try to make peace. No, it's not your business, Aaron. No, no, no. On the contrary, when you love peace so much, it's a whole new level. It's not just being a person of peace that we all are. It's being someone like Aaron who pursues peace, who runs after peace, who looks for the opportunity to make peace among people. So, my dear friends, there's a lot to learn in this week's parsha, And just like we say almost every single week, I encourage you, please open up a Chumash, a, the beautiful arts scroll. Stone edition Chumash is magnificent. You have the English translation. You have all the questions that you will have when you read it will show up here in the commentaries. It is incredible. You can't read the Hebrew, it's fine. You can't read the Aramaic translation, it's fine. Read the English translation. It's the greatest book you will ever read. It's the greatest manual for living you will ever find. Have a magnificent Shabbos.